tonight I have a really awesome guest who I learned about a few years ago. And I just think the work that she does is so incredible. Um, I listen to her podcast all the time and, um, she, she talks about producing, uh, self-producing and just her method is so friendly to somebody like me who is pretty much a noob. So uh, we'll get into all of that with her, but let me introduce her. This is Chris Bradley. Uh, Chris is a singer songwriter producer. She's got credits, including Sony BMG, Warner Chapel, Rolling Stone, Fox, Lincoln, and Miramax. She heads Boom Fox Productions, uh, producing for various sync projects, artists, and songwriters. She's also the founder of Produce Like a Boss, which is an online coaching program geared towards the singer, songwriter, producer, rather than the uh, engineer. And her non-techie and simplified style of teaching is helping tons of artists, including myself, learn how to produce their own music. So we are going to learn, um, dive into her background, learn all about her, and definitely get the scoop on the programs that she has. So let me bring her on. Chris. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Great. Great. I'm so excited to have you here. I've been following all of your work for a long time now, and I just, I love it so much. I love your vibe and you just are, you're so different from <laughs> what else is available out there that, um, it's just really cool. It's, it's great that you're out here, uh, doing this. Um, we'll get more into your program, but for starters, we were discussing the fact that um, a lot of the singers that come on here that I talked to were um, primarily live performance singers. And so I always start with this question, what was going on for you career-wise before the pandemic hit? What kind of a change, you know, how did it change your life when it hit? What kind of a uh, <clears throat> pivot did you have to make? And, you know, how did you transition into quarantine life? So I know this is different for you though. So I'm eager to hear your answer. <laughs> what was going on for you? How did life change for you when quarantine hit? Yeah, it's really interesting because I had actually been making that transition into like home studio session singer producer for the last few years before the um, pandemic hit. But before that, I was making a large majority of my income from live performance gigs, right? Mm -hmm. I was doing lots of two hour and three hour and four hour like gigs, you know, from from here to Nashville and, and all over the place, San Diego, L.A., <clears throat> and, um, but in the last couple of years, I'd really moved into like recording from home and I had discovered these online marketplaces and these other avenues where I could make money that was outside of having to bust my tail and, you know, lug a PA system to a place and, and perform. So I, I felt very lucky because when the pandemic hit, I went, whoa, this doesn't actually change that much for me. Um, what it did change for me was being able to have artists come over to my house and track them, track their vocals, and just, you know, that that community aspect of Nashville where people were coming over to collaborate. You know, we're constantly writing and co-producing and tracking. So that slowed down a bit. But it, I felt like I was just a little bit ahead of the whole work from home thing um, before it happened. And I felt very lucky for that. Yeah, that's very fortunate. So um, not too much of a shocking change for you, which is great. Always great to hear, you know, a yeah. good positive story like that. Um, so since you were kind of still, I guess, on your wavelength with what you were doing, what kind of uh, work were you have you been doing in the past year? 
Yeah. So actually work, actually business increased for me a bit, you know, so I do everything yes. from, from singing session vocals um, on other people's stuff. So it might be like a DJ or a producer will actually hire me to write. It's called top lining when you write to an instrumental track. So they might hire me to do that where they're hiring me for not only songwriting, but the vocals, you know, the leads, the backgrounds and so on. But I've also done everything from like, you know, producing kids songs to jingles, to podcast intros, to, I mean, there's so many people out there that need music. It's not just about, you know, Beyonce big or broke where it's like, if I'm not doing a major label record, then I've got no work. It's like, no, I, there's actually quite a bit of work out there. Um, so that's mm -hmm. what's been keeping me busy for the last couple of years and the last year. Yeah, that's great. Um, I want to kind of take a, a bunch of steps back so that we can kind of hear what your journey has been like from the get-go, from your, you know, earlier years of musical training and, you know, when you uh, first got involved in the musical in music industry, because now, you know, you're in, you're so advanced with your uh, technical ability and your uh, ability to um, <laughs> sell your music in, in a way that most of us really, really wish right now that we could be doing, right? Yeah. So let's back up and, and how did you get into music? Did you have, were you in a musical family or just you? Yeah. Uh, yes and no. My biological father was a guitar player in a long haired, like 80s rock and roll band called Lickety Split. Um, but he has not played a major role in my life. So it's like, I know that it's in my blood for that reason. Um, but my great grandma did help to raise me for the first eight years. And she had a piano in the house and she was a music you know, teacher and a, and a pianist. So I actually grew up kind of singing and playing to like jazz standards and like big band and old like you know, kind of old timey music. Okay. <laughs> but my mom had me when she was uh, like really young in the 80s. So I also it's like I had this balance of my great grandma giving me stuff like let me entertain you and in the mood right by Glenn Miller <laughs> to my mom like black, you know, just rocking out Guns and Roses and Heart and Led Zeppelin. So I had this really cool split of musical influence. And I was just always singing and always playing whenever I could, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, then, so did you start? Um, uh, your music education early in life or did that come later for you? I actually don't have a lot of formal music education, although my grand it's funny, my great grandmother, who's still with us, by, uh, by the way, today, um, she's always tried to push like theory and like, you know, music education on me. And I always it was like it was like I always wanted to just play by ear because that's what felt good to me. Uh -huh. So, I mean, I've been, you know, playing music since I was a child. But, you know, every time I've tried to to dive into study, I just it feels so unnatural for me that I end up just going back to playing by ear. So I even went to um, Musicians Institute for a year and, you know, about 15 years ago to do the guitar program. Mm -hmm. It was very much the same thing. Like, sure, I left there better than I came in, but I, I'm never going to fully transition to that, like, you know, by the books, you know, um, degree musician. I've always been like a by feel. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible because you're like a multi-instrumentalist <laughs> singer, right? Yeah. I mean, like guitar is my first instrument and I can play everything else well enough to program it or get it to where I need it to be. I mean, I'm not a multi-instrumentalist virtuoso by any means, but I can certainly uh, use like a, a MIDI controller to get what I need done for okay. producing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so then um, from there, how did your music career get underway? Did you join a band or... How did all that start for you? Oh, it's so random. Like my story is so random. Like my first bands were like, you know, I was trying to figure out like how, so I've been on my own since I was 15. Let's get that okay. out of the way. So okay. like my mom and I did not get along. She was like, get out. And I was like, thank God. Cause it was a really bad toxic relationship. Mm -hmm. So, you know, from 15, 16 years old, I was just trying to find a way to survive. So I was doing a whole bunch of odd jobs. And, you know, basically by the time I was like 18, 19, I realized, you know, not only if I got into a band that I could get into bars, <laughs> 
Ah, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it was kind of this thing where I was like, wait a second. I wanted to go in the bars and hang out. And I was like, wait a second. When I could get into the band, you know? So I started off in these like really random classic rock cover bands. Okay. Actually, my first band was like a blues band when I was like 18 years old. My next band was like a heart cover band when I was like 19 years old. And I really kind of, you know, to be honest, I really kind of did the cover thing for a while because it was safe. You know, mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't really while I was while I grew up around music, I wasn't really brought up around songwriting and creating and being like a like an actual writer. So that scared me for a long time. So I did rely on the cover band thing for a few years. But eventually I came to and I was like, wait a second, I'm I'm more than this. Like, I want to do more than this. I have more to say than this. Mm -hmm. So I really dove into the craft. And, you know, about 10 years ago is when I started really getting heavy into my songwriting. And then that's what led me to go from California to Nashville and, you know, um, and live that life for five years mm -hmm. you know writing and co-writing two and three times a day you know working with you know hit songwriters going to publishers offices you know and trying to do the whole Nashville deal thing mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. and what uh what segued you into producing were you working with a mentor or was it just a skill that you just kind of developed over time yeah. So the, it totally leads into that. I just didn't want to keep like rambling oh, about no, it. But yeah. So here's how, my, here's how my story kind of unfolds. So, you know, I'm doing this cover thing. It's not, I'm like, oh, I meant to do more than this. I'm starting to really work on the writing thing. And, you know, and it's taken me now from California all the way over to Nashville. And I'm thinking at this point, you know, I never really wanted to be famous. Like I just wanted to be a professional writer and I wanted to make money with my music. And that was something I was always told, like, you can't do. Even if I had support from my family, it was like, no, like there's no way, like people don't make money with that. Like get a corporate job right and i'm like no i'm going to nashville i'm going to become a pro writer mm -hmm. and i get there and i find that and what led me to produce was that you know as a as somebody just pitching their songs like you can't go around just singing your songs to people you need a demo you know and right. I, you know i was running out of money to hire people first mm -hmm. of all that, that it's not cheap to hire somebody to produce whether it's a demo or whether it's a full production that's going to radio you know like it's not cheap so 500 to 3000 per song mm -hmm. not only was i running out of money to do that with how many songs i was writing but um i i'm sorry i just lost my train of thought <laughs> i just had this like brain dead moment not only squirrel. was i was like <laughs> was i running out of that money um but i was just finding it frustrating that my vision wasn't coming to life either because i was like these aren't the song this like somebody else would produce my thing my, my song and i'd be like this is not how i heard it in my head mm -hmm. right yeah. so it was a combination of like sheer necessity of like i can't afford to do this anymore and also wanting to take control of my music Right. So then I started learning how to do it. I remember like, you know, playing a song for a publisher at a pitch to publisher, you know, luncheon. And she was like, you know, Chris, like if you learned how to do this, like you would be unstoppable. Like you've got to produce your own music. You can't come in here pitching a song like this with a guitar vocal. Like I can't do anything with this. Like I need a full production. And I, when I told her I don't have any more money to get stuff produced, she's like, why don't you learn how to do this? She's like, I know artists that produce themselves. And it's like, almost like that gave me the permission. I was like, wait, there's artists that, that do this too. Like I could do this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I went down the YouTube rabbit hole. I mean, I, I paid for the, thousands of dollars, whether it was like through, you know, um, mentorship or, you know, taking little programs here or there, trying to learn how to do this. And honestly, everything that was that I came across really felt like it was like, just a different language. Like it wasn't like it was like, they were speaking to to me like I was an engineer. And as a songwriter, I just couldn't wrap my mind around all of it. And I think that a lot of teachers in music production, they're trying to give you the whole thing. They're trying to t make you take apart the engine before you drive the car mm, when okay. you actually don't need to be able to take apart an engine to drive a car. Right. right. That's like saying you need to know everything your laptop does in order to use it. 
And once I realized that after like, you know, my own, you know, years of trial and error of, you know, figuring things out and figuring out things myself, I was like, oh, I can get this to sound pretty good without 90% of that. Because our DAWs, which stands for Digital Audio Workstation, do about 500% more than we actually need them to do to do mm -hmm. things like demos and, and productions and recordings. So it just kind of led me to, you know, come up with my own system. And so I'd have artists over at my at my apartment, you know, um, tracking them, recording them, and I would be teaching them. And one day they were like, you know, Chris, like you're really good at like explaining this. So I was trying to teach people how to track their own vocals and do their own demos. They're like you should like, you know, teach this. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. But I was teaching so many people one-on-one. -on -one. I was like, you know what? I'll put together some YouTube videos and I'll get it to the people instead of having to teach them over and over and, you know, trade that time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as one thing led to another, I mentioned it to a publisher friend of mine. He goes, wait a second, you're going to put together like a course. And I was like, oh, I guess that would be an online course. He goes, wait, 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 don't put it on YouTube. He's like, let's make a course, like make a course. I'll help you promote it. We'll make a product. And it, that's what turned me on to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So sorry, that was long winded. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. That's great. And, um, before we kind of get into, uh, you know, um, what your course is all about. I'm just curious. Uh, it's, it's so different going from being, um, you know, mostly a live performance artist to, uh, being in more of the, um, songwriting world and pitching songs and getting into sync licensing. It's a whole different networking technique. Um, how did you step into that world? Did you, were, was it just a gradual progression and you just kind of met people along the way? Or, um, did you have some kind of a, mentor or pro program you followed in that? In transitioning from being a songwriter to a producer? Well, just getting out there um, into the world of pitching songs mm -hmm. um, and getting placements and things like that. Totally different world yeah. from just trying to get a gig at a bar, right? <laughs> oh, 100%. You know, and I, I would say that that was my own curiosity just led me to that. And, you know, Google led me to things like, um, you know, NSAI, for example, the Nashville Songwriters Association, which led me to other, you know, similar uh, camps in Nashville where they're based around the education. I'm a big nerd. So when I want to learn something, I will just like read five books on it. So that's just, you know, like the second I was like, oh, I want to actually become a better songwriter. Like I ordered like how to, you know, writing better lyrics by Pat Patterson among like, you know, the artist way and all these other things. And one thing just kind of kept leading me to the next. And I realized that if I wanted to be a professional, that like there was this pathway of like learning and building my craft as well as what those next steps were. Like I wouldn't have gone from like the bar straight to trying to pitch one of my songs. Like I had to go through this little boot camp that I kind of put myself through, through self-education, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, not to completely sidetrack here, but are you by chance familiar with um Clifton Strengths assessments? Have you ever heard of this? This I I am familiar strength with strengths assessments. Yes. Like I've taken a strength finder. Yeah. In the okay. last couple months. I um I have a feeling that you are probably you either have the learner strength or the input strength as a top five in your life because the qualities or the characteristics of that are when you decide or find interest in something that you want to learn, you are compelled to learn everything there is to know about it. And you yeah. can't settle for anything less or else you just won't even approach it at all. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a running joke with my friends and I, like, if like, if I, if I'm curious about something, they'll be like, uh Oh, watch out for Chris Bradley. She'll be an expert in that in like a year. <laughs> like, right. Give her a year. She'll read every book on it. But yeah, I think I do have that, you know, and I'm also an Enneagram three, you know, so uh -huh. I'm, an, I'm, I'm the achiever. <laughs> yep. Yep. I totally yeah. 
see that. All right. Okay. So I guess fast forward to you're you're about to make this course. Um, and that's probably maybe around about the time that I got introduced to the work that you do. Um, did your uh podcast come first or did you how did you initially start marketing your coursework? Yeah. So it was kind of the course was first. I created that first. The podcast came shortly after. It was just this natural next step. And it was also one of those things where I was teaching all the techie stuff about like how to get in the DAW. And, you know, I was making YouTube. I'd started a YouTube channel that I wanted to talk about more. I wanted to talk about the stuff, you know, like the mindset stuff and um, just the business stuff, you know, stuff that was a little bit less tactical. And mm -hmm. so the the podcast felt like a very natural next step. And I would say that happened just a couple months after I created the course. Yeah. And that was one of the marketing tools outside of YouTube, outside of, um, you know, eventually I started doing Facebook ads. I, I've also used, I've also worked with affiliate partners, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 I just, I, I love your podcast so much and um, just the way that you teach because um, you have a very, as you say, non-techie route into it. And I think most programs that um, I have looked at, like you said, there is just, there's this wall of intimidation just going into it to begin with, right? And um, I have found that a lot of the resources that I've used, um, I can get a lot out of it, but at somewhere in the process a small step is left out. Right. And then, you know, uh, in the middle of a project, you're missing this one thing and which can completely, you know, derail the whole thing, but you, you take things in such manageable, small sections and make it very fun and accessible to learn it, you know? Um, so tell me, just tell me more about like what the course is all about. Well, first of all, thank you. That is like such a, a huge compliment. I really appreciate that. And yeah. and I'll be honest, like I just made this course for like me eight years ago. I was like, what is all the stuff that I when like when I would finally figure something out, I'd be like, well, why didn't they just say it like that? Like, yeah. why was it all this techno babble when I'd have this question? You know, I was out looking for the course that I ended up creating. Uh, right. Yeah. Which is, you know, so um, that's where everything that I come up with, um, it, it's this aha moment that I had along my journey where I went, that's what made it click for me. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's so cool because I, I really felt so alone and all that. And so the fact that it, it's helping other people that feel the same way and they're like, oh, that's the way I needed to hear that to grasp that. I mean, I'm really my, my number one goal when, when teaching this is for people to really comprehend for them to where they felt confusion to go like, ah, oh, you know, um, I get it now. And like, you know, like even when I'm like coaching with people and I'm live, I'm like, are you following me? Like, are you with me? Like, I don't want to leave anyone behind because I, I know that feeling of just being like, what when you're hearing all that information, you know? So even when I put together the course from voice memo to demo, I thought like, you know, like, and that's where the name too, it's like, you know, how do I get this off my phone, right? Where mm -hmm. these ideas are sitting and the, you know, I call it the hard drive graveyard or, you know, uh, collecting digital dust in your voice memos and pull it in like, and actually take this and go from this into a full project. And I just kind of sat down and started outlining like my entire process, 
how do I do this? Because after doing hundreds and hundreds of tracks, I got like, I kind of streamlined this workflow. And I also realized that another thing that holds uh, people from back from doing this is the, they're um, held, held back by how quickly they can move and it frustrates them because they're like, oh, I hear it all up here, but I can't get it out. So I'm really big on helping you use the right tools and get your workflow in order. Because if you have the ideas in your head and you know exactly how to execute them, it's fun. But yes. if you have to stop every time you need to do something and it's like a, just like, oh, pushing a boulder up a mountain to do every little task that's associated with composing a track, it's mm -hmm. a nightmare, right? Yeah. So that's really what this course is. It's like every little detail that could hold you back and frustrate, I just give it to you. I'm like, literally, you need these five tools, you need these three things, and I just make it so boop, boop, boop so that you can really just get in, plug in, and play. Yeah, yeah. Right. And the, and the rest will follow. We don't need to do the thing with music production. It's like, yes, there's EQ compression and reverb and delay and all these wonderful things. Right. But all of those things, you could do a masterclass on each one of those things. They go so deep. So it's like, let's not go so deep down any one of those things. Let's get let's get just deep enough to get it so that like, you know, and not only that, you know, there's award winning mix engineers that have created presets to help us cheat, if you will. Right. And I'm not saying it's a fix all like, oh, that preset will work for everything. But it's a damn good starting point when you don't know where you're going yet. And if you're just trying yeah. to get your ideas out, use the things that have been created for us. These tools have been created to give us a shortcut. Mm -hmm. You know, people get mad at that, like purists, they're like, well, you know, and I'm like, listen, you didn't get mad mm -hmm. at the, you know, the car when the horse and buggy when yeah. put you right so like let's not be mad that we have these tools let's use them and then you know I, I think i've noticed as well with my students is once they get into it and they're now making their music and they're throwing everything, everything together now they're turning around and going okay let's talk about how to get deeper into compression and eq and stuff like that mm -hmm. and that's where i'm taking them next on you know i'm working on a second course right now so that's what that will yeah. be doing <laughs> yeah a little follow-up yeah, I think that's what's so magical about your process is that you do you you take you take an environment that is really intimidating and complex and you you kind of make it a safe fun space, you know, and that I I really love that and um I can only imagine that this time in history could not have been more perfect to have such a program out there because I know that I'm immersed in a community um of singers and and literally everybody that I've had come on, um, has talked about one of the very first things that they did to transition into this time period was to start building, you know, a home studio, um, myself included, because I've had the recording gear here at home forever, uh, you know, and it just kind of like sat there and stared at me in the corner for a long time. <laughs> and so we, we all were kind of just thrown into this situation and, um, it can be, really humiliating sometimes, you know, especially if you're like, you know, if you're a, a seasoned, you know, professional just having to um, get into it. So I'm curious to know, like, what, um, what kind of people have entered your program? And do you have any, I don't know, particular like success stories from someone who seemed kind of hopeless, you know, in the tech sense and, and has just really been a good success story. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, first of all, I, exactly what you're talking about. I have so many singers that like their primary like jam and bread and butter 
bread and butter and jam <laughs> was uh was performing live performance and uh and you know they came into this and and i just want to speak to what you said really quick it it, it sucks because you're already so good at what you do and you're so seasoned in that way so it, it is very humbling to come into this new skill that makes you feel like you're because you are you're starting this brand new thing right but here you are and you're kind of this badass and like your own you know in your jam right mm -hmm. so i think what's really great about that is and what i tell a lot of my new students coming in is like look yeah it's going to be a minute before you're a professional producer and can probably make a living making full-blown tracks but what if you're that badass that's coming in like as a singer could you just learn how to really like get like great takes of your vocals and start mm -hmm. doing session work right away yeah because there's a difference between being a producer and being able to turn on logic or pro tools track your vocals and then remotely collaborate with other professionals that will gladly yeah. pay you for that so it was really cool to see that transition i did have quite a few singers that came in that were like oh my god this is overwhelming and i was like i got you like let's start you here let's get you tracking vocals and next thing i know i mean within less than a couple months i have a student who has been with my program for seven months and she just placed three tracks with warner chapel pm that's Warner Chapel's production music, their sync library, essentially. Um, I've got a couple other students that are regularly getting session work like on uh, the online platforms. <clears throat> I've got a couple students that have started podcasts. Um, one student who started a business, she started a custom songwriting business and a podcast, yeah. um, all with the skills that she learned um, in the program and within a few months even. Right. And it's cool because it's like there I always say, you know, every singer can learn how to uh, can benefit from this, because whether you're wanting to get your music placed in film and TV, um, which, by the way, everybody on the other end of that, whether you're pitching to uh, a music supervisor or a library, they want to know that you have full control of your masters and that you can mm -hmm. make edits is a big I wouldn't say it's a deal breaker, but it's a, it's a, it's a contributing factor. I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've been so close to getting a sync placement in the past before I owned masters and could record and they'd want something like an alt version. Like, can we just get drums and bass and vocals? I'm like, Oh, let me get the producer. And then by the time I found him, boom, I lost the opportunity. But now it's like, you know, I did a Lincoln commercial um, in my living room and we're sitting there going back and forth. Hey, can we get these edits? 12 revisions or some crazy, you know, but we did it. It wasn't going to be like, Oh, hold on Lincoln. Let me get my producer, you know? So it really arms you with the tools. So whether you're wanting to do film and TV or just record, your own stuff or like maybe you don't want to be a producer but you love to get session work online make a living maybe your producer and you aren't able to be in the same room for whatever reason that is whether you don't live in the same place or whether there's something like social distancing that you both want to stick to mm -hmm. now you can collaborate with your producer and now you can play a role in that collaborative process when he's producing or she's producing your record you can go oh you know what right over here can you fly that over there and then you know i think we can cop this from over here and you can actually speak the lingo a little bit and get in there and really understand like you know another thing is singers they don't know always how to describe what it is they want because they hear it in their head but they don't know what it's called mm -hmm. so i think that even learning the basic fundamentals of arrangement and production just empowers you as a communicator with a producer as well yeah yeah not everyone yeah. will go as far down the rabbit hole as i did i was like right. i'm gonna start a production company i'm gonna make demos for other people i'm gonna get my stuff in a film and tv some people will just pick one avenue i went a little buck wild but that's because i'm the learner yeah it's the learner <laughs> in you yeah i want to do all the things yeah and i know you i mean you your your things are just so like user friendly too you have even gone as far as to create this it's like a cheat sheet of vocabulary or lingo that you need yeah. in order to like converse with um a studio engineer <laughs> yeah yeah it's the the quick guide to producers lingo yeah yeah so i think with um a lot of singers that i've talked with that have had to make this um transition 
um, some have been very resistant, very resistant because they're like tech technology is not my thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I'm, it's not an area that I'm like willing to move into. So I wonder in your program, do you find that, um, a good majority of the learning process is just making mindset adjustments around, uh, working with tech? Yeah, that's actually a really good point. I think that is the first step in anything when mm -hmm. we're, when we're with our music. I mean, it's so like, it's so underrated too, because people are like, yeah, yeah, no, I know. But it's like, no, it's like mindset is such a big part of anything. I mean, if you think about how scared you were to perform your first gig, like what did you have to do to get through that, to be able to get on that mm -hmm. stage? And then it became second nature, you know? And there's another thing it's like, we're held, you know, to the limiting beliefs that we project, like, you know, saying like, I'm not good with tech. I'm not good with tech, like perpetuates. I'm not good with tech. Mm -hmm. You know, I still do it to this day where I'm like, oh, that's just not my thing. And I realized too, that I have to stop myself and go, you know, I can change that story you know and here's yeah. the thing i'm a professional i've been doing this for several years i teach people how to do this and i still have tech issues mm -hmm. and i just you know rather than letting it be that thing that makes me pull my hair out and go oh this is always happens to me I, I i've learned how to just approach it and kind of with a bit of like humor where i'm like this would be my luck okay and we always have jokes that i'm a slider do you know what a slider is it's no. like it's like um it's kind of like the spiritual term for like people that can like, you know, like with their energy kind of throw off electronics around them. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we joke about it, but seriously, tech issues still kind of follow me, but I think it's really about just getting over that hump of saying like, I'm not this, you know, and it, it doesn't help that if you go to like, for example, if you say to another producer, well, I'm gonna learn how to produce. I'm gonna learn how to do this. Most likely, because you say this is a fun and environment, you know, that we have over at Produce Like a Boss. Mm -hmm. A lot of environments aren't so fun and welcoming. They'll be like, no, you're just a singer. Just stick to what you're good at. I mean, that's what they told me forever. And so, <laughs> yes, you know, we, yeah. we already have other people telling us you can't do that. Yeah. That's not for you. So mm -hmm. don't do it to yourself. Like, that's my thing. It's like, you know, be like, you know what? Yes, I can. I absolutely can. And I think really it just gets down to the whole you don't need to know how to take apart a car engine to drive it. If you if you were told you actually had to know everything that your Mac did before you could actually use it to just like maybe you just need to use it for email and Photoshop, mm -hmm. you'd be so overwhelmed. You'd be like, there's no way I could never do that. Well, what if we took away all that and just said, OK, you only need to do these few things here. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I created the program, too, so that it's not this whole, oh, that's just tech. I can't. It's like, well, maybe. But let's get in here and I'll show you exactly what you need and none of what you don't. There's like mm -hmm. literally no fluff in my course or yeah. in, any of my, in any of my trainings to the point where it's funny. I have a couple of my students whose like husbands are like really proficient in logic and like, you know, in, in as producers and they'll come in and they'll they'll be like, oh, no, you need to do this. And they'll be like, hands off. I finally understand what to do now because Chris isn't throwing everything at me at once, you know, so. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm a thousand percent. <laughs> and I, I think that that um, that mind shift set uh, um that being able to kind of like reprogram that talk, um, and having an awareness that it's actually happening is so mm -hmm. important. You diving into something like this, because, you know, I'm still totally a noob at it, doing my best, but I'm learning all the time. And when I allow myself to enjoy the process, then it's great. Right. But yeah. I, um, I found myself the other night, I had to record some tracks and, um, I was using some voice effects that I like to use while I'm recording because <laughs> I like the feel of it, you know, in the headphones, it's, it's the way I like to record. But then I went to go, um, bounce the tracks and could not figure out how to take the effect 
ticked off, even though <laughs> I've done it so many other times, sat there forever, just like wanting to die because I'm a person who I don't like to ask for help. I just don't. It just, mm. it's just not my thing, but I really, um, but now I'm very aware of that I am like this, you know, so I really had to stop myself and say, are you going to sit here all night, you know, with this one little bump in the road, or can you just text somebody and ask, you know, the question, you know, are you in I logic? Did. What's that? Are you in logic? Yes. <laughs> were you trying to export them without the effects or were you trying to bounce it without the effects? I was trying to bounce it without the effects and I just could not get the, um, the voice filter off of it. And, uh, I eventually, you know, figured out what I was doing, <laughs> but it's just the, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been in that situation, you know, with, um, you know, learning how to record and, and do this from home. And I think, um, you know, at least for me personally, not, not liking to have to ask for help. A program like yours is so friendly towards someone like me, because I really think it comes down to that feeling that, um, a lot of singers are put in that situation. Like you said before, like you're, you're a singer and period, you know, mm -hmm. so don't yeah. try to, don't try to get out of your lane, stay where you mm -hmm. are. And, um, and I think that your program really breaks that barrier. And I love that because with Pandemic Proof Singer, the whole point here is to take total control over your career and um, gain that independence. And so that you don't, it's, it's wonderful to be able to rely on the professionals around you who are incredible, but um, you need to be a player in that game too, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, have you heard of the saying, um, Jack of all trades is a master of none? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Have you heard what I've said about that by any chance? No, what? Oh, okay. Um, so that's the other thing is like, you know, we get told stay in your lane, stick to what you're good at, you know, and, you know, it's, um, focus, you know, pick one thing because a Jack of all trades is a master of none. That is actually an incomplete quote. It actually finishes. Um, so it's a Jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. And I really, gosh, I mean, I hate that 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 quote is thrown around so often to like, you know, kind of dissuade people from, you know, being multi-passionate and, and doing more than one thing. Because I think that there is, you know, we're not like we're humans, like, gosh, we're so versatile. We're so flexible. We're so, you know, there's so much that I don't think it makes sense to just say like, you know, it's all black and white. Like you're just a singer and like, you can't do that. I think a lot. And part of what led me to teaching singers is like, they would be in my apartment, maybe like tracking these vocals and they go, Oh, and they do something like, and they, they'd be singing these parts. And I'm like, you know, you're producing right now. Like you're literally like laying out the arrangement for this song. Like you're singing me parts that you're hearing. I'm like, if you had the tools, like you would be arranging and producing this right now. You know, but I just don't even think they entertained it as a, as a possibility. Yeah. You know, Yeah, absolutely. Well, what is a, um, if somebody out there is listening to this and is thinking, nope, I still, mm -mm, you know, <laughs> what do you think is just the most gentle transition somebody can take into learning this? Like what would be the most basic equipment, basic program and how could they, you know, potentially pick up your uh, program? Where's a good starting point for that? I would tell them to try my, my free training because it's, it's very, um, 
it's kind of like this three-part video series that walks you through everything from setting up your home studio to actually producing like your first song. Mm -hmm. And it really just takes all the guesswork out. And it just kind of shows you this like A to B, like really, like you said, gentle transition, right? Mm -hmm. um, I would start there. And it also will show the possibility of like, you know, what like, I do it so quickly as well in a way that you can see that like this doesn't have to like we we make things bigger than they have to be. You ever do that? I do that all the time where I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> gonna be a thing. I'm just gonna stay back here. And, and then I get to it and I'm like, oh, that was actually not that bad. That's what this training will do. Um, so I would say to definitely check that out and it'll give them information they need to build their first home studio. And I would also mm -hmm. say the best advice I ever got when I first started doing this was start with what you're good at. Not stick to what you're good at, but start with what you're good at, okay. i.e. you're a singer. Really focus on getting those clean vocals. You're gain staging. Make sure you're not peaking. Make sure that you're not popping. You know, like make sure you get clean, good vocals. Take away, like uh, who cares if there's effects or, you know, compression or EQ. That's not even, most likely you're tracking for someone. They're going to want it dry anyways, so they can do what they want on their end. So just get the clean vocal take and also mm -hmm. get used to being like liking the sound of your vocal so that you're comfortable with it and just focus on that first. And then everything else, like fill in, you know, around it. Because look, at you could turn this into a career as a session singer. I mean, mm -hmm. that's what I was doing. I wasn't having to do anything. I mean, it, it fluctuates like how my, like the jobs that come in and out between producing and songwriting and singing. But there has been plenty of times where I was like, wow, I mean, I could just have like these few clients right now and have no other jobs and I'd be fine. And it was actually better paying than the gigs. Yeah. And that was yeah. all just through knowing how to track a vocal, not being a pro producer. So if it helps to take that baby step of I'm just going to focus on my vocals first and then kind of let, let everything else be playtime and the vocal thing be the thing you really got to nail first, you know, as a yeah. singer. Oh my gosh, that's such great advice. I'm actually going to pop over into the comments and uh, paste your links in there before I forget to do that. Um, and speaking of the comments, I one just popped up. We have Wayne Riker out there, great singer songwriter and fellow MI student. Glad to see her moving upward in the scene. Hey, Thank you, what Wayne. up, am I? <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, the link for my um, free training is um, produce like a boss, uh, dot com slash ready. Okay. Is that the, uh, um, yeah. I think that would be a great start for anybody getting wanting to jump in. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, we have, um, Carter Brown in the comments too, asking what kind of music do you produce? Um, they just dropped in and want to know that. Sure. So, I mean, I'm a multi-genre producer. I specialize in like pop and hip hop, but I've done um, a little bit of rock, a little bit of orchestral because I do stuff for film and TV and a lot for production music libraries. It has been in my best interest to be as versatile as possible, to be able to land as many um, placements as possible. So I, I love um, pop and hip hop, but I've done multi-genre, everything from pop country to, you know, uh, electro swing. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And I, I've, um, you know, heard so much of your stuff and you're, you're very like, I love how like clever your lyrics are and you're very witty and that really, you know, comes through like in your mm -hmm. lyrics and everything. Do you, do you think that's really an important thing? Um, when you're getting into, uh, you know, let's say you're, you're approaching this be because you're coming at it from a singer, you know, songwriter standpoint. Um, do you think it's important to kind of identify what, what some of those, um, qualities are that stand out for you as a singer songwriter before you jump into this, or would you be putting the cart before the horse with that? Um, I'm sorry. I'm not sure that I understand the question. Can you just 
Meaning like, should you have a pretty good understanding of what you're like style wise and what your strengths are as a songwriter okay. before you try to get into producing? Is it, is it going to be like a mess for you if you jump in or can you just jump in? I think you can just jump in. You know, I, f I feel like learning how to produce helped me to find my voice even more so as a songwriter. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also, you know, one of the reasons I've chose to produce rather than um, stick to, you know, songwriting outside of the necessity part was that I, I did feel as a songwriter and as an artist, I was always, someone's always trying to put me in a box. Like, what genre are you? And then like, stay in that lane. And I was like, oh, I like too many things. And so I love the ability to be able to be versatile. I think that it's important in any job that you're doing and understanding like the difference between what you do for pleasure, what you do for yourself as a hobby or, you know, um, as your art and what you're doing um, to maybe try and make a living, which isn't always going to be maybe something that, you know, you want to do that day. That's the difference between a professional, right? Mm -hmm. And a non-professional. It's like the professional shows up anyways and, and writes even when they're not inspired. And, you know, oftentimes I'm writing for a client. I do a lot of custom work, meaning they tell me what to write about. They tell me what the vibe is and what they're looking for. And I really love coming at it from a place of service that actually is less pressure than me having to write something on my own. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. oh, you got some direction for me? Great. So I think it's important to be, um, communicative and and to understand what the objective is in every situation you know and as long as you know where you're going it's like am i just having fun right now great go wild but it's like oh am i trying to like turn this into a job right now okay what's the market looking for and how can mm -hmm. i serve that mm -hmm. you know yeah great great advice yeah and uh backing up to your point about um being a professional and not waiting to be um, inspired. Uh, I, I heard uh, one of your podcast episodes where you talked a lot about this and how, um, can you talk more about that and what you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. Just like not waiting um, just for inspiration to strike. Right. Cause you hear that yeah. so often. It's like, oh, uh, I'm, I'm not kind inspired. of like, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of having writer's block or, or I'm not in the flow right now. I've has, I have personally said that many times myself. <laughs> Yeah, I think that, you know, when we do get struck by lightning and we have that flow, you know, when you know those songs that just write themselves and it's just coming out of you and it's amazing, like you've got this lightning in a bottle, that's very rare. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think that we all, you know, a lot of it, creatives experience that. And then we think, oh, that's the only time I'm supposed to write because it's easy and it's flowing, right? Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, the muse is this finicky little you know sucker and like you know I, I make her a person you know I, and she's kind of got this sassy attitude and for her it's like she can be really brilliant for me but she can also be like oh you're not going to show up well I'm not going to show up so uh -huh. I think of it like that so it's like if I'm not feeling you know motivated or inspired I show up anyways and I just even if I have to sit there and look at the blank page or just go you know I'm just showing up is the first step. And then, you know, even if I'm saying like, you know, it's funny, like uh, Julia Cameron in the artist way, she goes, even if you have nothing to write, write, I have nothing to write. I have nothing to write. And you'd be amazed how just showing up and doing the motions all of a sudden now you're writing something and it's coming. And I think, you know, another thing, and Seth Godin talks about this is that we're not, we're not having writer's block. There's really no such thing. We're afraid of writing bad as well, mm -hmm. right? Because we also yeah. are self-editing before we even start. So basically this whole like perfectionism is, uh, is just procrastination disguised as productivity. That's what it really is. And so we think that every time we show up, it's supposed to be this like our, our masterpiece. And so if it's not going to be the masterpiece, we do nothing. And we quietly sit back and we think we're doing it in the name of perfectionism. Oh, no, when the timing's right. Oh, when I'm inspired. No, bullshit. That's not how professionals work. Mm -hmm. The pros, you show up, 
anyways. And if there's no inspiration, you hunt that mother down. Mm -hmm. That's what I do. If I'm not feeling inspired to write and I'm like, I have to write something, I go and I start Googling things. I'll start, I'll watch a movie. I'll listen to a song. I'll, like, I'll do anything because it's all around us. Just yeah. because it's not birthed upon you and coming through like the lightning rod, which is very rare. That's like 2%. The, <laughs> right. You know, the rest of writing professionally is like 99% uh, perspiration, 1% mm -hmm. inspiration. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's such an important point too, because, um, I'm sure I've probably heard you say this too. And many, many other, um, people who are involved in songwriting that, uh, if you wait around for that inspiration too, you're going to also be missing the quantity of writing that you need to be doing, because I mean, mm -hmm. it's not like, you know, you write three songs a year, hoping that they're going to get placed. I'm sure you're pumping out quite a lot of material and, um, just a, you know, small percentage of that gets picked up. Right. 100%. I mean, I think that one of the worst things we can do is sit around and wait to create the masterpiece and then do that just a few times when we actually get that inspiration, because a lot of people go, well, is it all about quantity or is it all about quality? And I'm like, well, it's not all about either. It's all about both. And, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that comes with quantity is when you can just start going ready, fire, aim, ready, fire, aim, finish it. If it's, you know, if it's not perfect, that's okay. Move on, you know, instead of, you know, oh, I wrote this great thing and now I'm just going to harp on it and like try and get it placed. And, you know, you try to find home for it, but you're not working on other things things. I think of it like this. It's not plant the seed and water it and nurture it and baby it so that it'll grow. BS. No, you take a bunch of seeds and you throw them behind you like you're on a plow and you just keep going. And you know what? The nature will take care of it. Okay. Yeah. And it's like all the seeds that you've thrown, some of them will never sprout into anything. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with sometimes we wrote that song and it came from our heart and we thought it was the best thing we ever did. And that's not the one that gets picked up. But if mm -hmm. you keep moving and you keep throwing seeds, you're, one day you're going to turn around and be like, Ooh, and you start to see the harvest like that. Everything, like all a lot of things that I'm seeing come to fruition are things that I have been in the works planting seeds for for years, mm. years. And it is about and it's another thing is like if you do the quantity thing and you just focus on quantity, your quality actually improves because now you're in repetition mode. You're grinding, right? You're at you're in the woodshed. You're like, I am just I, I call it being a machine, like where it's like I can write three songs a day now. I could write and produce three songs a day right now. Like mm -hmm. that's the, that's the speed and level that I got myself up to syncable songs that will, you know, are being placed in libraries. That's the kind of turnaround I can get. And it's like, you know, that kind of quantity actually raises the quality because yeah. you're just, you're, you're, it's like going to the gym. Yeah. Right. And then it's just a natural evolution. It's not one or the other one leads to the other, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That is, that's a great point. Um, I want to jump over the comments because Carter is asking, um, he says, uh, I've been starting to produce more recently, looking for more clients in film and TV games. Um, how do you network and find success with certain clients? Um, that one is like, it's, it's, I wish there was a more clear cut, like black and white answer. I will say that relationships are super important. So collaboration is really important mm -hmm. and you never know one relationship can open the door to a million opportunities, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes when we don't have those opportunities right away, I always say you got to pay to be in the room until you're invited. Right. Mm -hmm. So like if you're in a small, you know, and maybe some people disagree with me, but it's like, you know, if you're in a small town or you're somewhere where you, you don't have like industry people, you know, 
at your reach, or even people that are pursuing industry opportunities, you're going to have to get online and either collaborate with people, or you're going to have to pay to do like that thing I said, I paid, I, I did a pitch to publisher luncheon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've paid for several workshops like that, where I go and I pay to be heard by a professional and it's open doors for me numerous times mm -hmm. where the person I've literally been in a pitch to publisher luncheon where before it was even over the publishers emailing me from the stage. Hey, I want you to send me more stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, if the quality is there, you know, it's a combination of working on your craft to make sure that the songs are good. But then once they're good, sometimes you got to pay to get in the room, you know, because yeah. I mean, there's a lot of places online too, like um, that will say like, and you got to be careful too, because you got to make sure you're paying to get into the right room, right? You don't yeah. want to just like pay anyone who says they'll listen to your music. But there are some, um, you know, more notable sites that, you know, have a good reputation of connecting you with the right people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had no idea that that worked that way. But um, I, I think it's just consistency, too. I mean, that applies to like anything that we're doing in life. I think so many of us kind of fail when we get into this long term game, because, you know, we try, and we think we're giving it our best effort, and we're not immediately seeing results. But, mm -hmm. you know, um, working in the music industry, it is it is a journey and you just need to be out there every day going and going. And like you said, one of these days, you're going to look behind you and see this beautiful field of flowers that you planted two or three years ago. Um, and you know, that can really build excitement, but I think so many of us stop right before that happens, you know, we oh, yeah. get to see any of that come to fruition. So, well, and I think that it's a very big, uh, it's just a common, uh, fallacy that like, you know, oh, the most, you know, if the most talented is going to win and that's not true, the one who's on the treadmill for the longest wins. The last person standing wins. And this is a this is an industry of rejection. It is an industry of heartbreak, you know, and it's amazing. But you, you, you can't give up. You have to just stick with it. And yeah, you're right. So many people quit right before something amazing is about to happen. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to post the link here one more time. Cause I want to make sure that I have it right. You said it was produced like a boss uh, slash ready dot uh, com slash ready. Okay. Let me grab that up there and uh, shout out to Chuck Phillips. He's in the comments too. How you doing tonight? Ready. Okay. All right. This is awesome. I just, I was so thrilled, you know, that you're going to come on and talk about this because, um, you know, this is such a big community of singers and I really, really want people to know you out there because there is, there's just, you know, this can be so hard to jump into. And I think that your program is really amazing. And it's not just the, you know, the technical learning, um, you are really inspirational. Um, your podcast is so fun to listen to. You have a ton of variety and it's not just encouragement, but you tell, um, all kinds of like fun stories. And I, I really, really enjoy it a lot. So I'm just so excited, um, to introduce you to this community. So thank you for doing this. Yeah. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to leave us with before we go? You know, I just, I just want to say that thank you, first of all, for, for having me. This is amazing. And, and, and my heart really goes out for, for, for those that were, that got slapped so hard by 2020, you know, yeah. and I had a lot of people that I was trying to turn on to working from home. I always say working from home is no longer a, a luxury. It is a necessity yeah. um, that were like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. And all of a sudden the pandemic hits and now everyone's like, okay, wait, what was that thing? And it's like, now is the time. Don't 
sit around any longer, you know, just a basic setup, even if you don't learn how to produce is going to, um, I think it could really open up so many doors for you and just mm -hmm. stick with it, you know? Yeah, I also have a free YouTube channel with a lot of really great, like basic beginner stuff, like just anything from like gain staging your vocals, like how to properly track vocals. I've got a couple videos on that and that'll get you through the very um, beginning stages as well. Yeah, great. Awesome. Well, I hope everybody's really encouraged by this and maybe gives someone a, enough uh, enough of a boost to just, you know, give it a try. I mean, just check out the, the free, you know, YouTube videos and see what you think. I think you're going to really love... Um, Chris's style and, uh, you know, it could really potentially open a big door for you that, um,